This is the Intuitive Leadership Mastery Podcast. What would it take for you to double your profits and half your stress with your intuition? Learn how with your host, Michael Light. Welcome back to the show. I'm here with Marlene Kova, popularly known by her pen name, Mama Marlene, best-selling author of Kissing the Mirror, Raising Humanity in the 21st Century. And we have a lot of interesting topics we're going to talk about today. Uh, why are life skills and what are they and why do they matter so much to entrepreneurs and business leaders today? And why proactive life skills education is so important in your business why we need to stop suffering from low life skills competency staff. And I'm sure some of you listening have some of those in your team. In fact, maybe some of you yourself have low life skills competency, but we won't tell anyone. And how you can dramatically improve your life skills and improve your team communication. And why everyone on your team needs to be good at conflict conflict resolution, not just you. Um, and then we're also going to cover what intra-communication is and why that in- can increase your profits. And what this new shift in consciousness to proactively learning life skills and using them matters so much today, right now. So welcome, Marlene. Delighted to be on your show, Michael. I just love your book and uh, love your life's work and just, just thrilled to talk to you today. Well, I am excited to talk to you because this sounds like something that's going to change a lot of people's businesses, help them make more money, be happier doing it, and have less feeling bad about their business. So it uh, sounds like a winner to me. So what exa- when you say life skills, what, what are life skills and why are they so important in business today? That's a really great first question because multiple definitions of life skills circulate. If you ask 10 people, you are going to get 10 different definitions. (laughs) Uh, We define life skills. We have an international group, Consciousness Movement, Parenting 2.0. We define life skills as the skills every human being learns in some measure. So you find a skill each of us learn, all 7.5 billion of us, and that meets our criteria of a life skill. Examples would be personal care. We all practice some measure of personal care. We get a good night's sleep or we don't. Uh, We eat healthy or we don't. We exercise or not. But we all practice some level. Uh, Organizational skills. We each have some level, some measure of competency in organizational skills. Resource management, financial literacy. And then the really big ones, communication and social skills. So these, again, are skills that every one of us utilize every single day of our lives throughout the entirety of our lives. So they're very important. And how do they affect how our business runs? You know, I, if you take any CEO, anybody at any level of management, you sit down and say, hey, in the last week, what were the top three sources of aggravation for you? And you know you consult with companies all the time. A top one is always personnel communication, working through problems. People would call them personality conflicts. But really, we can reshape our lens entirely. Instead of seeing it as personality conflicts, see it as low competencies in communication. Because as we raise our 
competency in communication skills, we actually can accommodate multiple personalities and perspectives much better. So you mean we can not have personality conflicts and drama and office politics in our businesses? See, isn't that a great term? We have all these wonderful labels. We have low, we don't formally, and, and let me let everybody off the hook here. The current educational process for these critical life skills that each of us use daily is primarily role modeling, and it's role modeling by parents. And what's important to know is that very few parents are ever formally educated in these critical skills. So it's a little bit like learning to fly a plane from people who've never learned to fly a plane. And then we go off uh, as adults and we repeat these impoverished skills we learn, these low competencies, when we're out in the world. And then the plane crashes and we're told we're bad pilots. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's, what, that's a really core shift to our advocacy is to shift from looking at a person who is, every human being is really miraculous and full of potential, infinite potential, so much more than we tend to um, acknowledge or uh, recognize, which is why I love your work. Uh, but what, and what we do is when we have a low competency, we put the whole person down. A good example is, for example, if somebody's learning, like, you know, golf, you say the golf is difficult. But if they're, you know, blowing up at work, you say, hey, Joe is difficult, right? <laughs> it's not the golf is difficult. It's, that man is difficult. Uh, so we, we make it about the person rather than the skill. So that's a big price we're currently paying for not recognizing life skills and not having a proactive educational process in place for their development. Well, and, and I think that happens at a higher level. I think mo many business leaders and entrepreneurs had to learn these skills themselves or, or they're still learning better communication skills and better financial uh, education um, and better self-care. And, you know, if often when, when that leader isn't performing well, they feel bad about themselves. And, and that doesn't help them be a better leader, really. <laughs> no, the, the personalization, you know, when we make the distinction, okay, this is a skill, and it's very important to respect that every learning curve begins with low competencies. If, we, if you, you can't you can don't want to insult the beginner, you've got to learn addition before you can learn calculus. And you don't want the calculus people going around saying to people learning addition, hey, you're a bunch of losers, right? I mean, that's not really going to inspire the people learning addition to raise their competency level and stick with math. And it's the same way with emotional literacy. If we're going around insulting everybody, well, we might as well be discouraging them completely from raising their competency levels. So we want to acknowledge every level you know, somebody's struggling, they're struggling. They're struggling with their emotions uh, or thoughts about, uh, you know, the way a meeting went or something. Making room and respecting that uh, if you, we do have low competencies, well, that's where we begin. Let's start there and let's raise them. What's interesting is we expect people to have high competency emotional literacy skills simply because they grow a few feet taller which is much like assuming that somebody's going to be a, uh, you know, it's about as rational assuming, as assuming somebody's going to be a concert pianist because they became six feet tall. Growing taller does not increase your confidence. We, and we have ample evidence of that these days. All we need to look at is our American politics and the way everybody dialogues 
these are supposedly world leaders, uh, but instead, and, and, and everybody else, and we're all putting people down rather than saying, gee, where do we learn these skills? What is the educational process? And how might we improve that process? And the good news is we can raise our competencies at any age. We don't have to wait for to be fired from our job. We don't have to wait for bankruptcy. We don't have to wait for divorce. We don't have to wait for illness to raise our competencies. Uh, we can begin today saying, you know what? These are critical skills, and I'm going to invest in them. By embracing wisdom of educators like yourself, Michael, I think you are superb. Well, thank you. So part of what you're talking about here is what people might refer to as EQ or emotional intelligence. Is that right? Or is this is that aspect of, of life skills different? Emotional intelligence is absolutely uh, a life skill, right? It's something every one of us learn. What, I, what, is, what is interesting to me in the utilization of the term emotional intelligence is if we compare it to intellectual and IQ, we typically think of IQ. Now we know, well, indeed, you can modify IQ a little bit, but primarily it's static. It's something you're born with, and then it remains the same. When people are talking about EQ, they typically are not really talking about something that's static. They are talking about something that can be developed. So a more appropriate term would really be emotional literacy. But yes, absolutely. That is a skill that every human being learns in some measure. It's not optional. It's what we call the mandatory curriculum. It is the homework you are learning from the moment you are born. And you will be doing it until the day you die. And so, so you might so you might as that. well <laughs> so you might as well proactively learn it now. So instead of your business sucking and having you and your staff thinking you're bad because you're not good at communication or getting teams to run well together or keeping the finances running good why not proactively learn it now so everything can go much easier in your business yes yes get get real about how important these skills are uh distinguish between the human being and the skill speak to the skill not the human being the human being is not a bad person they have a low competency in a particular skill they may be terrific in a thousand er other areas i like the way you bring that out in your book uh, and then invest in them. You know, don't assume that because somebody is six feet tall that they're going to have high competency levels. Most people have extremely impoverished educational processes, and it's not because there are bad parents. When we really respect life skills, financial literacy, emotional literacy, personal care, when we really respect these for the dynamic, important arenas they are, and we think about all the amazing educators and professionals that are out there, we can get real about the fact that it is, um, it's really very naive to assume that any parent is going to personally master and teach children all of these critical skills. We're living in la-la land, believing that. And mm. we're paying an enormous price. So if we want to see how good our life skills are, what are ways we can, you know, see where we, we're doing good and where we can improve? Yes, and, and take it one small step at a time. If you're having a lot of difficulties with somebody at work, say, okay, I'm not, it's not about the person. Let's say you and I are, you know, having a lot of challenges working together. 
I can say, hey, Michael's, it's not about Michael. It's about our communication. Let's raise the way we're, we're communicating with each other and how might we go about that. And as, as you know well, unless a CEO or the management or, or unless somebody comes together and says, hey, how can we benefit from doing this um, and champions it, it may be work that you do individually. And it will be time exceedingly well invested because it's not only going to impact work, it's going to impact your, you know, interpersonal communication at work, but your intra-communication, your self-talk, your dreams. I mean, it's going to impact your relationships at home. It's going to impact everything. So it is, it is time exceedingly well invested. Mm. Now, you mentioned that phrase intra-communication as opposed to inter-communication. Can you tell us more what you mean by intra-communication and, and why that's, you know, can help you make more money in your business and have a happier time? Yes, and this is such a great question. It's such a good example of the price we're paying for our, our, the absence of a dynamic educational process. If we did have one, everyone would know what, what intra-communication means. It simply means our self-talk. We, what is the conversation we are having to our, with ourselves every day. That's, that's our biggest conversation is the one we're <laughs> having 24-7 because we're doing it even when we're dreaming. And, and very many people feel a victim. They feel the victim, you know, they, of their thoughts. They don't even realize that they can calm their thoughts through breathing techniques as you advocate. Through, there are multiple methods for being in charge of our self-talk. And yet that's very often not even considered. Now, I, I agree that self-talk is incredibly important. Um, but just to help listeners who, who may not understand what effect that may have on their bottom line, their profits, their, how joyful the people they work with are to them. Why does self-talk matter? What we, the story we're telling ourselves in our head, we are going to make manifest. We're going to look for facts to prove it off the top. So if we're saying, oh, my business is failing, I'm, the, the employees aren't doing what they ought to be doing, we're going to come in with that agenda, come in with that story, come in with that narrative, and start looking for problems. And the one thing we know about human beings is if there is a negative emotion associated with a critical task, we are less likely to do it. So if you want your employees to underperform, just come in and scream at them. Just be angry. Just be negative. Be, be that kind of energy. And you'll get less out. You'll, they, they will perform less, guaranteed. None of us perform well when, our, when we're in fear mode. So, so, uh, so let, let me make sure I got that straight. You, we have negative thoughts or worries in our head. We project those out onto other people in our team or clients. We get you know, less good performance from our team and they feel possibly bad about themselves. And then that comes back into a circle to feed back into our self-talk that, oh, business is a struggle, you know, my staff are, are bad. But we could, if, if we learn to control our own self-talk, we can interrupt that and we can deliberately, consciously create the self-talk we want to have, you know, that our business is easy, uh, that our staff support us, you know, whatever the, the messages we want to manifest are. And then we get a positive feedback loop of having 
wonderful things happen in our business and then feeling good about it. Is that, did I get that about right? Or Yes, and I really want to underscore that this is not about ignoring genuine uh, challenges. Every business has genuine challenges. It's very honorable to have a challenge. But it's about working through them with respect and, 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 and faith that, hey, this is normal. We're, we're challenged because we're taking on something new and something courageous. And let's be uh, optimistic and loving and uh, kind to one another as we explore. The creative mind works really well when it's, when it's calm. But if, it's, if the cortisol's high, then we constrain. We're not thinking well. Mm. The, the solutions to the problems are not going to surface. So it's incredibly important to create a loving, uh, calm environment where the creative mind can function at optimal uh, capacity. So how does self-talk relate to intuition? It, it, can that be part of it as well? You mentioned creativity. Is, does it also open you up to hearing your intuition better or not, depending on what's going on? No, I, I think there are, I, for me, I, it depends on what is one's definition of intuition. I think of intuition as accessing universal intelligence. So there's this just giant aggregate of intelligence, which we can tune into this universal bank in, in many, many ways, but we typically don't learn to access it. So we might as well have the Smithsonian and walk right by it every day. We don't learn the tools to access this and uh, use our intuition to access this universal intelligence. But at a basic level, most people are familiar with the feeling of saying, I had a gut feeling. I was walking by that individual. I had a gut feeling something was wrong. So that's, an, that's intuition at its most primal level. But on another level, uh, we can actually attune our, we, if we are very calm, we can attune our radar to hear things uh, very far out. As, as, as many people know, there are many stories of mothers, I think you referenced it in your book, mothers who know when their child is killed thousands of miles away. So we have physiologically the capacity for that level of intuition, but we don't develop it. Right, and and that can apply in business. That can mean knowing that of the 100 candidates you have for a job position, which one is going to bring you the most, most profit and joy without having to spend as and as interviewing and studying resumes. It can help you know if a client is going yeah. to be a good fit for your business or not ahead of time. Um, it can help your day just flow incredibly easily and well. So it's very powerful. Yes, and I, and I, love, the I love the techniques you outlined in your book, um, Intuitive Leadership. I just thought they were fabulous. Uh, well, and one of those key techniques is when you have negative self-talk or worrying, um, you flip it around and ask, what would it take to achieve what you want instead of worrying about how you're not going to get what you know what you want and that that's a tool to to flip things and change your self-talk because it immediately makes answers come into your mind from your intuition um and brings a more positive aspect so we were talking about how you can improve your self-talk and why that form of intra-communication 
is so important. And what I'm wondering is, is that similar to what some people call SQ or spiritual quotient? I think Stephen Covey talks about that in one of his books. Absolutely. It's, it's putting words, you know, another good example is snow. You know, they, they say there's a community and an Eskimo community, and pardon me if I'm getting this wrong, uh, that, has, that has a language of 26 words for snow. Well, if, when we have words for something, that dramatically changes the way we respect it, we look at it, we appreciate it, it sensitizes us. So in the very same manner, when we have dynamic vocabulary, uh, be it intra-communication or inter-communication, we're going to respect, we're going to be able to talk about everything in a much more dynamic manner. So absolutely, absolutely related, impossible to separate, and, and so critical because look how few people, um, whatever definition we give, most people, if we just talk, if we talk about spirituality, even in the terms of being inspired or dispirited, let's just start there from an energy perspective. If we only speak of it in the barest uh, threadbone terms, uh, to be inspired or dispirited. Many people do know those terms. Well, how, so it's so critical. All human beings, every single human being on the planet knows, knows what it's like to be dispirited and, and, you know, we would love to have more know what it's like to be inspired. Tragically few um, know what it's like to be really, truly inspired and passionate about what you're doing in your life. Well, but and that's what a, a great example. What, what, a, hmm? what a difference that would make in our businesses if we as the entrepreneur or business leader would really inspired and communicate that with our team. And if each team member was inspired and passionate about the vision that the organization was going in. Just think how much could yeah, be achieved so what's unfortunate, Yes, and what's unfortunate is that spirituality has fallen under the realm and the conflict of the term religion. So it became a taboo topic, right? You can't talk about it in business. But every human being has a spirit. We all have, we have energy, we have emotions, and we are either inspired or dispirited. So we must be talking about it. So, critical conversation. Yes, I I think this is really important these days. Not just, I mean, it's it's important for each of us as individuals because we're going to have a happier and healthier life. Our businesses will be more profitable and joyful, and easier to run. And at the bigger level, if everyone has these life skills. And, you know, in the the movement I have, if everyone openly uses their business intuition, if people do all these things, not only will their own business be easier and more profitable and joyful, but they they will make better decisions and they will be decisions that are better for humanity and better for the planet. I really don't believe businesses will make some of the, the silly decisions they've made in the past. Uh, if they're accessing these skills and if they're using their intuition. I, I concur wholeheartedly. I concur wholeheartedly. And the, and the good news is 
Everybody already is learning. You know, people like to say, oh, you need to learn life skills. Guarantee, if you're occupying the human body, you're learning them. You're using them every single day. That's what a life skill is. It's what you learn simply by being human. It's what we call the mandatory curriculum. So the only question is, who were your teachers? What was your educational process? And what is your competency level today? How's, how's it working for you? <laughs> How is it working for you? Are you going around and putting other people down because you yourself have low competencies? Mm. Or have bad self-talk that you don't change. Or you have low competency intercommunication skills. Yes, yeah. low competency. So very self-defeating, very critical. So it's important that we change this in ourselves, but we also need to stop suffering from having low life skills competency in, in all our staff, right? Oh, that's what you just said, honestly. I'd just like to take a bullhorn and say, yes, yes, yes. Uh, we're routinely going around and we're insulting people for low competencies in life skills. But again, every learning curve necessitates low competencies. It is, it is what a learning curve is. And we waste a great deal of energy and we thwart a lot of growth by being critical about, about low competencies when really we want to have compassion for them. And to give them some resources so they can improve. Exactly. Well, and this is where we switch. A really good example is in terms of uh, where life skills really took a, a brutal beating was with behavioralists, when parents looked at children as either beha behaving or misbehaving, right? Uh, if, if a child is misbehaving, what do we do? We, we tend to punish them. Most parents punish children for misbehaving. Maybe they scold them. Maybe they ground them, whatever. Uh, what if we, if we put down the behavioral lens and we picked up the educational lens, we replaced the behavioral lens with an educational lens, and we respected these children as learning a particular skill. So now the child that is having the temper tantrum in the grocery store is not misbehaving and in need of a scolding. The child is learning self-regulation and struggling. Why? Because they likely have a teacher who doesn't know his or herself how to teach them self-regulation, even though that is a very teachable skill. So, but this is the price we pay for relying on parents. Yeah, and we do, so, this, we do this. We do this when we get older, right? We punish each other. Mm, we, we learn mm. the skill of of name calling and punishment. When children struggle on playgrounds with conflict, we call them bullies. We punish them. Well, that sounds like so important to improve our staff's competency in life skills. Um, one aspect of that is how we can improve team communication. Is that something that this helps with? Absolutely. You know, team communication is going on. You know, if you think about it, what things are occurring in your company every day? What, what is the communication is one of the most important things that's occurring and it's vital to the functionality. And yet how many companies, maybe we have like a weekend, you know, one workshop once a year, <laughs> maybe twice a year. Uh, Really having a dynamic uh, commu communication literacy program in place and, and the, for, for all the employees is just, it's the, you know, returns are going to, on the investment are going to be so huge. And not just the communication 
in, you know, in the meetings in your company, but the employee satisfaction outside of the company, because again, once we expand, once we elevate our, increase our competency levels and critical skills, it benefits us in every area of life. So that's going to reverberate back into the better happiness at home will reverberate back into the company. So it's just, it really becomes sort of an exponential investment. So learning to communicate better, both the intra-communication, their own self-talk, and the intercommunication, talking with others and talking in a group, all that will help improve team communication and get better results from our teams. Absolutely. Now, I know we talked about earlier conflict resolution, and that's like a, a you know, part of communication, being able to resolve conflicts easy. Do you think everyone in our companies needs to be able to, to be good at conflict resolution? And if so, why? Because it's a natural part of, to have a difference, is, 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 it occurs multiple times daily. <laughs> now, some people uh, are very agreeable, right? Maybe they just agree with everybody and maybe they privately steam, you know, say, oh, I really don't like that guy, but, you know, to, the, to your face. Making room for disagreement and having a system in place for having it for having it um, aired regularly in a in a manner that's respectful and doesn't again attack the human being but rather you keep it focused on the topic and okay here's a topic here we're coming at it from different angles so what's critical is to have a program that makes room for the conflict which some don't right some say oh we just won't have I love the programs in schools. They say zero tolerance for something. Well, what are you teaching when you have zero tolerance? You know, you're teaching to be intolerant. Uh, this is homework. So bring the homework out. Bring the difficulties out. Don't try and squelch them. Uh, bring them out. Put them on the table. And let's work with them. Let's learn from them. Let's learn with them. And let's have a team in place to help us to do precisely that. So having everyone be skilled in resolving conflicts means that conflicts between two individuals on the team don't turn into something bad and negative energy or office politics just don't start swirling around the whole team. Exactly. Because it's like water. It's going to go somewhere, right? It's going to go somewhere. If you dam it up in one place, it's going to come out in another place. Hmm. I mean, interestingly, I think these statistics are still applicable that the number two cause of death for managers is homicide. No. In really? the United States. Yes. Homicide <laughs> by, by postal employee. By, by a disgruntled employee. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was number two. It was a while back that I read the statistics. I'm going to have to look it up again, but it's, it's pretty high. Now, you know, we have a lot of guns in the United States, but I mean, murders in general. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's not a small statistic. Mm. So that kind of thing, you know, that's the extreme end of where when conflicts yes. get out of hand. Yes, but, you know, just small conflicts or medium-sized ones can totally disable a business. Oh, and I make, think, yeah, I think they're far, I think the, it's, it's like mold in a house, you know? I mean, it really, they can be far more insidious. The ones you know often are the ones you deal with in some manner. It's the, it's the ones you don't know about that really can rot your company from the inside out. Mm. So we talked about a lot of different ways, a lot of different aspects of life skills from, you know, emotional intelligence, uh, spiritual intelligence, financial literacy, um, personal, 
you know, care, um, you know, just looking after ourselves so we can be our best at home and at work. Um, so there's a lot of things in this and, and we're not learning this from our parents or schools right now. Um, so what, you know, I know you, you have a, you, you lead a movement parenting 2.0 that is creating this shift in the world. Why is this shift so important right now? You know, it was not that long ago that a small group of people determined that it was for the welfare of the society at large, for children to learn academics, all children, so that children would not be limited by parental competencies and resources in the academic arena. So that was a, that was a commitment we made that was for the good of all of us. So you're talking about around 150 to 100 years ago when, you know, everyone, every child learned to read and write and do arithmetic. Right. When we, when we championed uh, compulsory academic education for all children, and that was really very revolutionary at the time to tell people, hey, to give me your children. They're not going to work the fields and raise, you know, get food for themselves. We're going to put them into school. So it was a big shift. And yet on the whole, it really emancipated so much power. And, you know, are there limitations to modern day academic? Absolutely. But comparative to what uh, children were doing 300 years ago, huge improvement. And by the same measure, we can determine that we want proactive academic, uh, uh, proactive education for life skills. And we can embrace that in multiple ways, not simply teaching emotional literacy in schools and championing that, but embracing ourselves. For example, when a couple gets married, how many thousands of dollars do people spend on the wedding? What about, you know, embracing couples communication before crises strikes? There's no reason to wait for crises to learn conflict resolution. So just having the paradigm shift that embracing, and we can do it, companies can lead the way by having dynamic education in their companies, by stepping forward and saying, yes, these are critical skills and we're going to support our employees in learning them because it's to the benefit of all of us. So we can, we all have a role and we can make this paradigm shift from accepting role modeling as the high bar of education in life skills to having dynamic education for all persons at every age, just as we do now, academic sports and music. Adults embrace proactive education every day for those three things from third-party professionals. So it ought not be any different for life skills. And I think it's very clear. Look around the problems we have in society today. Take any chronic societal problem, whether it's bankruptcies, wars, uh, you know, bullying, diabetes type 2, poverty. Take any chronic societal problem and ask yourselves, where do people learn the skills necessary to avoid that, that problem? And the fact is we don't. Well, we, we do, but we learn them from parents who never learn them themselves. So we have a direly impoverished educational process for our most important skills. And we all, thankfully, can step up and change that fact. So what you're saying is, as individuals and as a society, we either can apply Band-Aids to various levels of violence in our society, whether it's crime or war, and arrest people or send soldiers in, or we can change our skill, the skills we have for conflict resolution and communication and all the other life skills 
So we don't have to apply Band-Aids because we don't even have the, the disease to start with. Yeah, and I don't even, isn't that interesting, the term disease? It's not a disease, it's a low competency, but the medical model, absent dynamic education, uh, the crisis personnel have taken, have dominated dialogue. So we do tend to use a lot of medical terminology like disease when it's just a person learning emotional literacy. But, you know, I'll give you an example, Michael. Some people say, oh, well, that's, p- parents need to do that. And you're just saying, you know, companies need to teach what parents ought to be teaching. A good example is, um, you know, we, our taxes go for a police, police force. The police officers in Portland, Oregon, have a program for going into schools and teaching eighth grade boys emotional literacy, intracommunication, interpersonal communication skills, because they're not learning it at home from the parents that have never learned it. And by doing this, it's a better investment of our resources because it, they're finding it helps to keep these young men from ending up in domestic abuse issues and ending up in jail, costing how much a year to incarcerate. So at Parenting 2.0, we recognize every adult as part of the parental generation. Our monies are going to, everybody has a role in this. Everybody is complicit. And the only question is, how conscious are you? How are you investing your dollars? Where are they going? Is that a good investment of your money? Is it a humane investment of your money? So people say, oh, that's not my problem. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. And the only question is, where are you on the, on the continuum? You're there. So what kind of world would we have if everyone had these basic life skills? You know, here's the good news. As Margaret Mead accurately said, it, never doubt that a small group of people can change the world. Indeed, that is all that ever has. We don't need everybody to do this. If we get a few CEOs that see the light, <laughs> the intelligence of this, if we get just a handful of people, championing change and making it on the, you know, the news shows, why this is logical, why this is intelligent. We will, because life skills are used every day, multiple times throughout the day by every human being throughout their life, we will literally change the course of human history. We will emancipate human potential. People often just speak of what, you know, oh, well, we won't be dropping bombs for peace. You know, they look at the low end. We won't have as many people in jails. But at the high end, we will be emancipating human potential because people, for example, entrepreneurs, how many people, if they're taught financial literacy, taught entrepreneurial skills at the age of 10, 10 to 15, they can have their own businesses. They can be living their passions, monetizing their dreams. So we will be really, um, you know, I often say the greatest discrimination we have, it's not the ones we know, it's the ones we do not question, we don't even consider. And that great discrimination discrimination, that great divide is life skills. We, they are still relegated to homes, to parental competence. We are still limiting children to parental competencies and resources in the life skills arena. And it's really unconscionable since parents never learned them themselves because we, we really uh, all pay an enormous price for this um, antiquated approach to life skills education. It, it would be sort of like, you know, imagine a world where no one knew how to read. And can you imagine how it would be to work with your staff these days if they couldn't read the emails, they couldn't read the, the instruction manuals? Uh, you know, it, you'd be having a, a problem there. And, and then if we were expecting that everyone would learn to read because their parents taught them, but oops, the parents didn't know how to read either. 
And then we shame and blame them and say, oh, they have bad parents. You're, you're not going to learn. We're, this is the thing. We don't do it in any other arena. In no arena do we limit human beings to parental competencies and resources except life skills. And we do it because we, we have no paradigm in place for learning these skills after one. You know, most people do not uh, learn financial literacy as an adult. And yet we all need to be highly competent in that arena. We don't learn emotional literacy as an adult. You know, how many people I took, <laughs> I say I got four years, of my undergraduate degree in communication. Not one class was on interpersonal communication. Not one class was on intra-communication or conflict resolution. A four-year degree in communication. I mean, you know, it's, it's crazy how much we don't even pay attention to this because we say it is a domain of the home. Mm. And this can be something that, you know, people can learn online. They can learn in workshops in their company. There are just, they can read books. There are just many ways that people can learn these skills. Um, yes, we are not hurting. We are not lacking for resources or educators or means of access. We are not. Uh, they're, they're literally infinite. We but just what, need to, to understand how wonderful our business is and how wonderful our world could be if we make this shift to emancipating everyone to, to see the importance of learning life skills and learning them and using them. Yes, respecting their centrality in every avenue of human interaction and the value of proactive education by third-party professionals. Yes, and it, it won't take the world to do it, but it will take a small group of people. Well, I think our listeners are a committed group of people. So, and they are self-interested too because their business is going to run better if they and their staff have these skills. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, and it's just going to lead to a, a change in their business of greater harmony, more creativity, more profits, more joy, more self-expression. Um, just be the kind of place that you yourself want to work and that other people want to work in and achieve the goals that you have. Yes, yes. Often we focus on, you know, <laughs> the bottom line, the numbers, the marketing, the sales, the content, the programs. And we forget that the most important part of any company, any production is a human being, is the person working there. That's the number one most important part. That is the biggest um, asset that most companies have, their human potential, the people who are involved in the company, whether they're employees or vendors or clients whoever the people involved are, they are what makes the company successful or not successful. They are an absolutely critical uh, compo component element of, I would say, yes, I would say it's the most important. And once we have changed enough people and enough leaders have recognized this is important for them, it's important for their staff, in their organizations, that we're going to be living in a world of greater harmony, greater creativity, and, and greater abundance. Yes, when we make the paradigm shift, that this is, a, you know, just make that shift from the way life skills are learned today, which is role modeling is the high bar, to dynamic education, not, not remedial, it's not remedial, it's, it's warranted. And when we make that paradigm shift to proactive education for life skills, the sky's the limit. I mean, everything's possible, really, truly. So I have a question 
for you, what will it take for our listeners to make that shift in themselves today? This is what's so gorgeous is literally just, you know, I, my, the name of my book is Kiss Your Mirror. Go kiss your mirror. It just takes the consciousness. It just takes the idea, the thought that life skills are important, that they warrant dynamic education. Once that thought is, 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 is in your brain and your mind is expanded by it, trust it to take off like a train. There will be every, everybody, depending on where they are and what they're doing, it will come out. It will express itself. It will, the dam will have given way. Now, I, I love that title, Kissing the Mirror. Can you explain what, what that means to you? You know, I, I start the book with, I myself, I am not, I'm not the person with the PhD in life skills. I failed dreadfully. Uh, I actually failed at suicide as a young mother. Had a 4.0 out of graduate school. Uh, you know, I was trying so hard. And this was the thing I knew I was trying really hard. I'm a high achiever. And I failed at suicide. So I knew I needed to do things a little differently. And that's when I, you know, I began my own journey. But what was most important is that I loved myself in the process. I loved myself at every stage. I said, you know what, Marlene, you're trying. So let's keep trying and let's love ourselves in the journey. And, the, and that's where, you know, you kiss the mirror. You say, okay, I, I love myself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on this. And, and, and then really what ended up happening, you know, I mean, really, it, it, it gave a new consciousness to the entire process. Because of, and originally I thought, oh, I'm just a failure, right? I'm unique. But then as I looked around and talked to other people, a lot of people were struggling with life skills. It wasn't just me. And it wasn't because I had bad parents. And it wasn't because I was a bad parent. So really needed a new, a new analysis of the whole situation. So if people want to learn more about you, how can they find you? Well, uh, parenting2.0.org is our website. And we have over 8,000 members on LinkedIn in our LinkedIn group if for everybody that's passionate about life skills education in any manner, in any manner. Uh, please join us there. We also have over 300 ambassadors for our educational nonprofit, the Global Presence, in more than 100 countries. So uh, that's a good place to start. And then I also invite anyone interested to read uh, the uh, Kissing the Mirror is an Amazon bestseller, and they can find that on Amazon. Download it on their Kindle. Well, wonderful. I'm so glad you came on the podcast. And thanks so much for sharing your passion about everyone embracing life skills. Thank you so much for having me and for being such a pioneer in the life skills arena yourself, Michael. Uh, I, I just think your work is so commendable. Just so you're such a visionary and uh, I'm so grateful. Get strategies and show notes at intuitiveleadershipmastery.com. What would it take to see you here next time on the Intuitive Leadership Mastery Podcast?